I have fear that my brother has threatened to kill me, and I have fear that he may have the means to do so. These are the words he said. He said it, I know she asked you for money, but that's not the meaning that he put on it. He said it like this. I know she asked you for money. Mr. Durst, when he said that, how did you take that? I felt like I was about to die. He did not seem as distraught as I would have been if my wife had, was missing for three days. And to whatever level he appeared distraught, do you know if that was genuine? Uh, there's almost no emotion that Bob shows that is genuine. Welcome back to Season 2 of Jury Duty, the trial of Robert Durst. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis, and I'm joined by my co-host, Brittany Bookbinder. Earlier this season, we presented two segments of our series, Robert Durst in His Own Words, which explored Robert Durst's perspective on his family. With the intense testimony of Robert Durst's brother, Douglas, coming to a conclusion last week, and with Thomas Durst having taken the stand on the first day of testimony before the pandemic hit, the jury in Robert's trial for the murder of Susan Berman had now heard from both Durst brothers about their relationship and encounters with Bob. This episode will explore some of the common and uncommon themes in the brothers' statements to the jury in Robert's trial. That's coming up after the break. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Douglas and Thomas Durst have very little in common. Douglas stayed in New York and took over the family business while Thomas moved to the other end of the country, to the San Francisco Bay Area, and stopped speaking to his siblings after their father's death. Their one point of connection, it would seem, is their brother Bob, specifically their fear of him. Sitting in court last week, Douglas Durst revealed that, as feeble as Robert Durst may currently appear, Douglas is still so afraid of his older brother that he traveled to the courthouse with private security. And even in terms of your coming to court today, did you come with security that you had hired? Yes, I hired security today. And why did you hire security? What was the reason for that? Because I have fear that my brother has threatened to kill me, and I have fear that he may have the means to do so. Douglas, the second eldest of the Durst brothers, just two years younger than Robert, continued that this experience brings him great shame. Well, it's the most embarrassing thing about the, that I've ever encountered. Uh, it's gotten progressively worse. It's very painful for us to have our names, our name associated with these incidents. Despite the issues that you have uh, with your brother, is it still difficult for you to be up here testifying against him in a murder case? Yes, it is. First, I am frightened, and I also, though, feel sorry for him for the situation that we're in. Uh, I wouldn't have done anything to avoid it, but you know, I'm 
here because I've been subpoenaed. Thomas Durst, the youngest of the four Durst siblings, established that same theme when he took the stand before the pandemic hiatus in March 2020. For both brothers, testifying in court was the last place they would choose to be. I'm humiliated to be here. This is a horrible experience, and uh, I'm fearful of my brother. Both brothers described having a strained relationship with Robert from an early age. This is Douglas responding to prosecutor John Lewin. Growing up, um, how did your brother treat you? He treated me miserably. He uh, would fight with me every chance. He would embarrass me at every opportunity. Uh, And it was a very difficult relationship. And were you able to observe how your brother treated uh, your younger brother Tom and your sister Wendy? Uh, He treated them uh, equally bad, uh, always attacking them or... uh, holding them up to ridicule. Thomas expressed a similar sentiment. He treated me uh, as if I did belong there. There was no war. According to the defense team, Robert Durst's unhappy childhood was the source of many of his problems later in his life. The untimely death of their mother was undeniably a traumatic experience for all of the Durst's children. Their father Seymour was also reported to be deeply shaken by his wife's death. And the question was raised by both prosecution and defense. What kind of dad was Seymour Durst in the aftermath of the tragedy? The truth seems to depend on which sibling you ask. Dick DeGuerin asked Thomas about his relationship with his dad. It's true, isn't it, that uh, Seymour became a very distant father when you were growing up? Yes. He uh, rarely spent time at the house where your mother died. Correct. He had an apartment in the city and might visit you and your siblings uh, one or two or three nights a week and go back to the city. Is that right? Correct. Let me just sum it up, this family dynamic. Is it a fair statement that the family never once had a happy dinner as a group? Yes. Douglas gave a rather different impression of their father when questioned by prosecutor John Lewin. What kind of father was Seymour Durst? He was a wonderful father. Was he, in general, a strict parent? He had a a strict moral code, but he was not strict with with us in, in the sense that we were punished. Based on your observations, was he strict with your brother Bob? No, not at all. Have you ever seen the movie All Good Things? I've seen parts of it. In the parts that you've seen, was that an accurate portrayal of your father? Completely inaccurate portrayal of Seymour. Uh, He was portrayed as being very strict, very uh, overbearing and demanding, and anybody who knew my father knew that that's not what he was. The prosecution also asked Douglas about Robert Durst's professed memory of his mother's death. Are you aware that your brother Bob has claimed that your father had him view your mom falling or jumping from the roof. Are you aware of that allegation? I am aware of that allegation. And do you know whether that allegation is true? I I know it's not true because uh, when my mother was in distress, we were brought over to my uh, aunt and uncle's house nearby. And can you tell me, you are aware of the way your brother has described having seen this 
fall or jump. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And given the way the house was laid out and where your brother says he was, is that an accurate depiction of what happened? No, there's, there's no way from inside the house you could see where my mother fell from. And is that something you have personal knowledge of from having lived in this house? Yes, it is. Both Douglas and Thomas were asked by the prosecution about their experiences with Bob. Although neither was ever close to their brother, they could offer unique insights into Robert Durst's character. This is how Thomas described his relationship with Bob after they had left their childhood home in Scarsdale. When your brother would show up, would he call in advance, ask you if you wanted to see him? He didn't ever ask. He would call from the plane. There were plane telephones. And he would announce, he's coming, I'm coming. There was a power relationship. He was in charge. If he wanted to come, he came. Meanwhile, Douglas described the unusual way in which Bob treated him as a child. Growing up, was it a common situation for you to cry in front of your brother? Yes. And what would his response be? He thought it was funny. Douglas and Thomas also offered firsthand accounts of their brother's relationship with his wife, Kathy. Did you and your wife ever lived with Bob and Kathy? Yeah, we, we shared a, a house that my father owned in uh, Katona, New York for a couple of years. And when was that? That uh, was about 1970 through 1973, except yeah, 1973. How would you describe Bob and Kathy's relationship at the time that they were living uh, with you in the Katona house? Uh, at that time, they had a very good relationship. At the time that you lived with them, did Kathy ever express to you that she was ever afraid of Bob? No, she never did. Thomas's account of his brother's marriage differs somewhat. Robert and Kathy visited Thomas in San Francisco soon after their wedding, and Thomas witnessed an upsetting incident during that trip. During that time that they were staying with you, did an incident happen with Kathy that you recall? Yes, sir. They had a terrible fight. I remember being very uncomfortable, and I don't know what the fight was about, but Kathy came out and whispered to me, is there another way out? So she needed another way out of the apartment. I showed her how to get down the fire escape and then to a locked basement where I opened the door for her. She seemed very upset. And when you say upset, was she? did she appear unhappy? Was she scared? How she you... was crying. I thought she needed help beyond what she could get. So I, offered, I knew she had no money in her purse. So I offered her money, which she rejected. Do you recall what your brother's response was? There was no response. Did he ask you what happened? No. Did he try to go look for her? No. Thomas also related a peculiar requirement that the ultra-wealthy Robert made of his wife. Do you recall, Mr. Durst, how it was that you became aware that Bob had his wife on food stamps? She asked me to take her shopping. And uh, food stamps at that time, you could not buy feminine hygiene products or cigarettes or wine. And so she went to the checkout and could not buy what she wanted, and I paid for it. All she had was food stamps. Prosecutor John Lewin explained the significance of Durst requiring Kathy to use food stamps in his opening statement to the jury. And Mr. Durst makes clear explicitly that in essence, I can do whatever I want. Lewin then played a clip 
of Durst explaining to filmmaker Andrew Jarecki why he used food stamps. All you have to do is show them a, a, a bank account with zilch in it and sign a bunch of papers saying you don't know, got nothing, and I would get food stamps. And I got a big kick out of using food stamps. Which part did you get a kick out of it? Going into a store? Yeah, I'm getting away with this. I'm beating the government. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. By the mid-70s, Douglas Durst acknowledged that he too became aware of problems in his brother's marriage. Can you tell me, did you become aware once Bob and Kathy moved to the South Salem house, that their relationship uh, deteriorated? Yes, it, our visits became less frequent because it was very uncomfortable being uh, together with the two of them in the house. It was a lot of tension. Later, in 1981, when Thomas was visiting New York, he witnessed a strange incident between Bob and Kathy. Uh, I want to go fast forward to December of 1981. Do you recall going over to 37 Riverside Drive? Well, this is a case where I don't remember the address, but I did go to their Riverside Drive apartment. They had a penthouse, which they were very proud of. And when you got there, can you please describe what happened? So I was invited to dinner. So I went at night, and it was a very fancy building. had a doorman, I believe. And I arrived and ring the bell, and... Kathy opens the door, and she's in a very sexy nightgown. It's flimsy. And I thought I'm in the wrong building. I shouldn't be here. And then Bob comes behind her and starts lifting up the back of the nightgown. And she says, Robert! And then he does it again. And I just turned around and left. This wasn't dinner. This was something else. Did Kathy uh, appear to be, um, for lack of a better term, in on the joke or in on what was going on? There was no joke going on. It was something, uh, it was a power trip of some sort. And why she was in a nightgown, I don't know. And what was his demeanor while he was doing that? He enjoyed it. And you said you were uncomfortable, you turned around and left? Yes. Did Kathy seem to enjoy it? No. Did she appear to you to be humiliated? You know, she was a tough cookie. She didn't get humiliated easily, but, but uh, she didn't like it. Around this time, Thomas became aware that Kathy was seeking a divorce. I want to go to that same trip. Um, did, were you later invited by Kathy, or did you end up visiting Kathy at the East 86th Street apartment? Yes, sir. I was invited by Kathy. I think by telephone I was staying at my father's house. Come over for coffee. Uh, was, was Bob there? No. Can you describe uh, what Kathy's demeanor was? 
Kathy was extremely upset. She was talking in a very high-pitched voice, which I had never heard before, <clears throat> and talking very rapidly. During your conversation with Kathy when she was upset, did she make clear to you that she was aware that Bob Durst, her husband, had been engaged in impropriety involving um, assets and money at the Durst organization? Yes, she did. Okay. And during that time, did she also express to you her intent of what she wanted to do with respect to the marriage? Yes, she did. She told me they were getting divorced. Did she indicate to you at that time that she had papers that documented her allegations? Yes, she did. Did you review those papers at all? No, I did not. During this conversation, did she also uh, relate to you um, her intention with respect to why she was not able to leave Bob Durst immediately? Yes, she did. What did she say to you? She told me that she was afraid if she left Robert Durst that he would sue her for abandonment and cut her off completely from any money that he might owe her in a divorce. And during this conversation, did she indicate to you that she was financially destitute? Yes. And what, if anything, did you do in response when she said that? I gave her all the money in my wallet, except for one bill. I traveled with a lot of cash in those days. How did she respond when you gave her that money? Did she say, yeah. that's, that's enough, thank you? She didn't say thank you. She said she needed more. At the time, um, did you have the ability, if you had wanted to, to give Kathy a check? Yes. And was there a reason that you did not want to do that? I was afraid that if Bob Durst found a check with my name on it, written to Kathy, he would be violent towards me. Thomas later offered evidence that his fears were well-founded he told the jury about an incident that happened in 1982 after Kathy had disappeared. I had a serious confrontation with him, but it happened in 1982 on a trip in April. Can you describe what that confrontation was about? Yes, it was about Kathy. Now, as you know, Kathy was already was missing by that time. I use the term missing. And uh, Robert Durst, uh, came up to me, and these are the words he said. He said it, uh, I know she asked you for money, but that's not the meaning that he put on it. He said it like this, I know she asked you for money! <clears throat> so the uh, for the record, this is a very angry tone that the witness used when he, when he stated those words. He shouted those, those words in an angry tone. Mr. Durst, um, when he said that, um, how did you take that? I felt like I was about to die. Thomas later recounted that during that same trip, Bob performed an act of cruelty against him that left Thomas deeply shaken. I tried to be with my father for breakfast, and Bob joined us. Breakfast ends, and we walk... Uh, towards the Durst organization. I'm not going to go there, but I'm going to walk with them to the Durst organization. 
And Bob must have noticed my father liked to walk through office buildings, uh, even ones he didn't own, although he owned a lot. And so we come to these revolving doors. And I don't know how revolving doors work. It never occurred to me that there was something special about revolving doors. But evidently, each door section has a break. And it's, it's a rubber or cloth thing that rubs against the glass and slows the progress. So Seymour goes through the revolving door first, then I go into the revolving door, and from behind, like a sneak, he takes his full strength, and you can't think of him this way. He was strong in those days. He took his full strength, and he showed the glass, and I went around and around, and I fell out. Oh, my God. I fell out on the street, on my knees, and he's guffawing. It's the funniest thing he's ever seen in his entire life. An elderly gentleman had gotten into the, into the revolving door before me, I mean after me, and he also ended up on the floor, but he was on the floor inside the building, and he's shouting, idiots, idiots, like I had something to do with this. Bob is guffawing, Seymour is his usual self, walking away, who are these people? I don't know. And I'm, you know, I... I'm listening to my brother laughing. He's just holding his gut. It is so funny. By the end of 1980, Douglas too became aware that his brother's marriage was falling apart. However, he cast doubt on Robert Durst's assertion that a divorce would have been frowned upon by his family. What, if anything, did you know about the status of their marriage at that time? So we're going now in the future near uh, January of 1982. Kathy had told me that she was seeking a divorce from Bob. And do you recall um, specifically when she told you that? It was in the winter of 1980. I don't remember if it was at the Christmas party or not. Now, your brother has repeatedly stated that your family, particularly your, your father, did not want Bob and Kathy to get a divorce. Do you know if that is a true statement? My, my family has had a number of divorces in it, so I have no reason to believe that that would be a true statement. Douglas also stated that Kathy revealed to him that Robert Durst was stealing from the company. Did Kathy ever mention to you anything about Bob stealing from the Durst organization? Yes. When did this happen? This happened in... Uh, Christmas, 1980. Douglas remembered his brother's surprising behavior when he informed him of Kathy's disappearance. Do you remember when Kathy disappeared? Yes, I do. And can you tell me, how did you find out? Uh, Bob called me to tell me that she was missing. Do you remember when this was? It was... Uh, First week of February. I want you to assume for a moment that February 1st was a Monday, 1982. So it was Wednesday. What was his demeanor? <clears throat> Tone was very uh, neutral and uh, there was no great anxiety in, in his tone. Did that seem unusual to you at the time? Uh, it seemed a little strange, yes. During cross-examination, Dick DeGaron questioned Douglas about the phone call when Bob told him that Kathy was missing. I want to turn now uh, to the time when Kathy disappeared. 
You heard about it first from Bob himself, didn't you? Yes, I did. And when he called you and told you that, he seemed distraught, didn't he? He did. During redirect, Prosecutor John Lewin returned to this phone call. You also said, you were asked about Bob's phone call when he told you about Kathy being missing. And your words were that he seemed distraught when he told you that Kathy was missing. Do you recall that testimony? I do, yes. Do you know if he was actually distraught? He did not seem as distraught as I would have been if my wife had, was missing for three days. And to whatever level he appeared distraught, do you know if that was genuine? Uh, there's no, almost no emotion that Bob shows that is genuine. The prosecution also questioned Douglas about that week and whether or not he had seen his brother. I wanted to talk about the week after Kathy Durst's alleged disappearance, and I'm going to start with Monday, February 1st, 1982. Do you remember seeing your brother Bob on that Monday? No, I do not. Did you sit here? Do you have a memory of Bob telling you anything about where he was that day? I remember him telling me he was not in the city. I want to ask you about Tuesday, February 2nd. Do you recall if Bob was at the office that day? No, he was not. And do you have a specific memory as to why he was not, in other words, why you remember he was not at the office? We needed Bob's signature on a document and he was unavailable to sign the document. Do you have a clear memory that you needed Bob for something and he wasn't there? That is correct, yes. I want to talk about Wednesday, February 3rd. Do you remember if you saw Bob that day? I remember I did not see him that day. Do you remember anything about Thursday, February 4th, 1982? Uh, I remember that was the day that uh, it became public that, that Kathy was missing. And what about Friday, February 5th, 1982? Do you remember anything about that date? It was in all the papers. As we reported earlier this season, Robert Abrams, a lawyer hired by Kathy's family, has publicly accused members of the Durst family with helping Robert Durst cover up Kathy's alleged murder. Here is how Douglas responded to that accusation on the witness stand. Do you have any knowledge of, of what happened to Kathy? I have no knowledge, no. Did you have anything to do with her disappearance? Absolutely not. Do you have any knowledge that your father had anything to do with her disappearance? Absolutely not. Did you have anything to do with covering up uh, whatever Mr. Durst might have done to her? Uh, I find that a very insulting question, but no, I did not. And are you aware if your father had any involvement in allegedly covering up? I have no knowledge of it, and I also find that insulting. Douglas revealed that around that time, he assisted Kathy's friends and family in gathering information. In the days after Kathy's disappearance, were you contacted by either her, her friends or family members asking for access to Bob and Kathy's South Salem Cottage? Yes, I did. In response to that, did you agree to let these individuals in to Bob and Kathy's house? Yes, I did. And how did you end up letting them into the house? Uh, I broke into the house. And how did you break into the house? Uh, I forced a door to the house open. Did you end up telling them that, in essence, you would let them into the house, you would give them a certain amount of time, but then you were going to have to report that there was a burglary? Yes, that is correct. 
what was your motivation for assisting in this way? Uh, they were quite desperate, and I wanted to either show them that, that nothing had happened or there was evidence that something did happen. Were you concerned at the time that your brother Bob would find out that you were cooperating with uh, Kathy's friends and family and the police regarding the investigation? Yes, I was concerned. And why were you concerned? Uh, because my brother, when he gets angry, he gets extremely angry. Of course, Douglas's cooperation with Kathy's friends after her disappearance was not the original fault line in his fractured relationship with Robert Durst, and it's certainly not their only point of contention. Douglas believes, and Robert Durst has stated repeatedly in interviews, that he harbors resentment toward his brother because of their dealings with the family business. Are you aware of specifically um, when it was that you and your brother ended up, in essence, ceasing any contact, when you kind of lost contact with the family? Was there a, a timing, an incident? It was in 1994. Uh, when I became president of the Durst organization. Not only does Robert Durst maintain that Douglas usurped his position within the Durst organization, but his feelings of anger and resentment also seem to stem from Douglas gaining control of the Durst family trust. Was the plan that your brother Bob was going to take over as the preeminent trustee? Yes, as the oldest member of the family, yes. That did not end up happening, is that correct? That is correct. At some point after Morris Black's death and after the trial, did you and your brother become involved in your, the Durst organization, your family, in a contested legal dispute over the assets of the trust and Bob's share of them? Yes. And is it fair to say that this was, would highly acrimonious be an exaggeration? It would not be an exaggeration. And as a result of this litigation, was there eventually a settlement where... Um, your brother Bob was paid tens of millions of dollars and basically bought out of any of the family business, any of the trusts. That is correct. When approximately did this occur? 2006. Has your brother made it clear that he holds animosity towards you as a result of that settlement? Yes, I've heard uh, things that have been said that lead me to believe he's not happy with the settlement. Has your brother indicated how he feels about you to this day? Yes. And what are those feelings? He'd like to murder me. As a result of their many issues with one another, Douglas and Robert Durst's relationship grew even more contentious, and Douglas became worried about his safety. Did you end up putting a camera in your office? Yes, I did. What was the purpose of that? Because uh, I had evidence that Bob was entering my office, going through my papers, and somebody had uh, urinated into my waste paper basket. And were you able to confirm some of these suspicions with the camera? I was able to confirm that Bob was entering my office. After this incident, Robert Durst was allegedly undeterred and Douglas's fear grew. Douglas testified that he later received reports that Bob had shown up at his home uninvited. After your brother jumped bail in Galveston and was on the run from authorities, did you become aware that he had shown up at your home in Katona? Yes, I did. At that time, were you already aware, did you already have fear of your brother regarding your safety and your family's safety? 
Yes, I did. And pursuant to that fear, did you have private security that worked for you and would guard you and your family at all times? Yes, I did. So on that day, did you become aware that Mr. Durst had shown up uninvited at your home in Katona? Yes, I did. And at that point in time, on that date, did you actually see him? No, I did not. Were you made aware by your security people that he had come to your house? Yes. And when you found out he had come to your house, what was your response? I was frightened and concerned for my family. In a moment, we'll discuss these developments with reporter Charlie Bagley, who's covering the trial for the New York Times and for CrimeStory.com, and whose series of articles, The Many Lives of Robert Durst and Susie Berman's Greatest Unfinished Story, can be found at CrimeStory.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Joining Brittany and me now is Charlie Bagley, who's covering the trial for The New York Times and for CrimeStory.com, and whose series of articles, The Many Lives of Robert Durst and Susie Berman's Greatest Unfinished Story, can be found at CrimeStory.com. Charlie, thanks for being here. Glad to be here. So, Charlie, tell us about the environment when Douglas Durst entered the courtroom last week. Well, he was a bit of a surprise witness. Douglas Durst who runs the Durst organization, had been listed as a witness. But exactly what day uh, he was going to appear in court was up in the air. So there he was Monday morning uh, on the stand. As, as he walked into the courtroom, Bob leaned over and said to his lawyer, uh, he looks terrible, <laughs> which... Could be an example of Bob's uh, humor, uh, given who actually looks terrible. And tell me about what aspects of his testimony were particularly impactful in your view. Well, I think we all expected that there would be fireworks when Douglas took the stand. We know that Bob has never liked his brother. Uh, He has a lot of resentment and anger towards his brother and and towards his other siblings, there was an expectation that he would come under fire in the cross-examination by Dick DeGaron, Bob's lawyer. Instead, it was a pretty low-key testimony. On the one hand, Douglas said that he feared that his brother would try to kill him. But Douglas also described the childhood after their mother died where the, the siblings were, to some extent, on their own, raised by a, a succession of governesses. And that jives with what Bob has talked about in, in describing his own childhood. Yeah, that's a good point. It stuck out to me, too, that Douglas didn't completely negate Robert Durst's version of his childhood, although I, I can only imagine the jury is sitting there 
thinking, well, no matter how absent your father was, only one of you is on trial for murder. Charlie, can you talk about how Thomas Durst's testimony from last year differed from his brother Douglas? Well, Tom's testimony, in contrast, was pretty dramatic. Uh, This is a guy that's lived in California and for the most part has been separated from his family since the 70s. You get the feeling this is a very low-key guy, but in describing his interactions with his brother, he became very dramatic and his voice rose and you just felt like he was releasing a lot of anger that these were things that had been bottled up in Tom for a long time, and now he was letting them loose. We also saw a distinction between the way that Douglas remembered their father and the way that Thomas remembered their father. Can you talk a little bit about that? Seymour was a father who indulged his children. Uh, I mean, he was a tough businessman, but when it came to his kids, he didn't order them to do anything. I think that Tom got the short end of the stick. He never knew his mother, really, and uh, his father was a somewhat distant figure. Uh, Seymour paid a lot of attention to Bob and tried to repair their relationship and overcome Bob's very evident anger towards both his father and his younger brother, Douglas. Charlie, before we let you go, do you have any updates for us about Bob's health, or as I like to call this segment, catheter corner? Well, the latest news is that Bob, as he desired, got his catheter taken out, so he will not be showing up in court this week with a catheter bag hanging off the side of his uh, wheelchair. That's good news, uh, and hopefully we'll be seeing more of Bob. Well, Charlie Bagley, thanks so much for being with us, and we'll look forward to more updates from you as this wild and crazy trial continues. Thanks for having me. Please remember that you can receive alerts and news breaks on developments in Robert Durst's murder trial, as well as new episodes of Season 2 of Jury Duty, The Trial of Robert Durst, by subscribing now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Again, if you want to refresh your memory on where the prosecution and defense are heading with their arguments in the trial, go back and re-listen to episodes from Season 1, and head over to CrimeStory.com for in-depth coverage of the Durst story. Jury Duty, The Trial of Robert Durst is created and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. Brittany Bookbinder is my co-host. This episode was co-produced by Alexis Bartolo and Brittany Bookbinder. It was written and edited by Brittany Bookbinder. Music was provided by Strike Audio. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Robert Durst.